I would like to invite you to open God's Word to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. We've been kind of on a journey through this uh, passage of Scripture. We're going to look today at Isaiah 55. You're going to hear God use some imperatives, 12 imperatives, commands, if you will, but imperatives saying, I really want you in my family. I really want you to come to me. So we're going to look at this passage in Isaiah 55 and see not only these 12 imperatives that are found in Isaiah 55, 1 through 7, but we're going to see so many different things that are all about His invitation. A lot of Bible scholars call this the great invitation. It's an invitation to salvation. If you think about it from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is a book of invitations from God inviting us to joy, inviting us to peace, inviting us to purpose and fulfillment and so forth. Maybe you've heard of the Great Commission. That's where we're taking that invitation and sharing it with others. You've heard of the Great Commandment. That's where we've accepted the invitation. Now we're putting God as our first love and loving others like Christ loved us. But then it goes on to here, introduce us to the Great Invitation. Maybe you do not yet have a personal relationship with God through Christ. I want you to know you can. And this passage is an invitation to you. Just God's just waiting and longing for you to say yes to his invitation. You know, the Bible actually says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is not one that you want to put off. This is a great invitation. You know, some invitations, they don't really start great, but they end great. I don't know if you heard about this one, but there's a family, the Ibarra family down in Mexico. They wanted to extend a simple invitation to people that lived in their neighborhood, family and friends and so forth. So they put together a 43 second video saying, we want everybody to come to Ruby, that was their daughter, her 15th birthday party. We're so excited to invite you. And at the end of the 43 second invitation, Mr. Ibada says, everyone is cordially welcome and invited. Well, a local photographer, he was so impressed by it. He said, you know what? I'm gonna post this on Facebook. So he did. He posted it on Facebook. He posted it publicly on Facebook. It went viral and it was viewed by 978 different people. So by Christmas, her birthday was December 26. By Christmas, 1.2 million RSVPs were sent. Can you imagine? It's like, I think we're going to need more cake and more ice cream on this one, you know? What if that many people? Over 20,000 20, people? Over 20,000 guests arrived at the ranch. As a matter of fact, the Mexican airline Interjet, they, they got in on it and they said, this is great. We'll offer a 30% discount if anybody will fly with us. But listen, God's invitation to salvation is the greatest invitation you'll ever receive in your whole entire life. That's why I want to ask if you would stand in honor of this great invitation. You see, it's going to cost you nothing but it's gonna cost Christ everything. So let's read it. Isaiah 55, verses one, all the way to the end of the chapter says this, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, 
Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord and an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Oh, Lord, we need a good word. It seems like so many things are happening around us. And Lord, some things concern us. We get worried and stressed out. But Lord, this is good news. So Lord, help us listen. Like you said here in this passage, help us listen to you. You have an incredible invitation for us if we'll just accept your invitation, if we'll just say, yes, I want that salvation you're offering in Christ. And so, Lord, if there are any here today and they're still on the outside looking in, bring them on the inside. Let them know that the door's open. The arms of Christ on the cross were wide open. The tomb is open. You're alive. You want to make a difference in their lives. So, Lord, this is your time. Just like we sang earlier, Christ, be magnified. Be magnified in me, in us. Be magnified in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to look at this chapter. It's a great chapter. I don't know if you've ever spent time here. Maybe you've heard verses from this chapter. But I want us to act like it's a diamond. And we're just going to kind of spin it in our fingers, and we're going to look at it 
and say, look at that facet, look at that sparkle, look at all of the dimensions of that. You know, they say there's like about four or five different ways to know the value of a diamond. I want you to look at this passage and I wanna give you five things about this invitation that I think make it great. The first one is found in the first five verses. If you look with me at verses one through five, once again, I believe this invitation that God is offering to you and to me, it's great because of its great satisfaction that it brings to our lives. You know, did you catch what he says there in verse two? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Doesn't satisfy. There's nothing you'll ever be able to spend your money on and buy that will satisfy you like Jesus Christ. He's what you're looking for. David knew this long ago. That's why in Psalm 23, one, he wrote these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't, I don't have to have anything else, but if I have him, that's enough. That's why Jesus could say to the woman sitting at the well in Samaria in a place called Sychar, and he said, you know what? If you drink of the water from this well, you'll thirst again. But if you will just drink of the water that I'm gonna offer you, spiritual water, you'll never thirst again. Wouldn't that be nice to go through life satisfied, to go through life content, and to say, I don't have to have anything else Christ is what I've been looking for all my life. You know, that's why I think verses three and four and five, when it brings up this covenant that David had, and God is talking about that same covenant, extending it to you and to me. You know, Christ is the one that fulfilled it. He did all the work. All we have to do is say, I receive, I, I accept what you did for me. I place my trust in what you did for me. That's why he can say, all you gotta do is come. You don't have to come and pay your money to buy your salvation, to buy your way into heaven, to buy your way into God's family. No, no, Christ, he paid the only price that was enough. That's why we say he's so worthy of our best because of what he's offered us in salvation. His invitation brings great satisfaction, but I think there's a second thing when you drop down to verses six and seven. His invitation is also great because it comes with a great expiration. I know that we tend to think of salvation as being eternal, right? And it is, but we're not talking about the salvation itself. We're talking about the invitation. You see, the invitation has a specific date on it. You know, when you received an invitation, perhaps you were told, hey, you're invited to the bridal shower right after Sunday school today. So you know the date, you know the time, 11.30, all these kind of things, all the, all the things that we have, some even have an RSVP by a certain deadline, a certain date, right? It's common, we all know this. What about God? When he's inviting you and inviting you and inviting you and inviting you all through your life, God has been saying, I love you. I want you in my family. But you know, some people, it's like they just walk away from that and they walk away from that and they walk away from it. And all I wanna point out is verses six and seven. Let's look at it together. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You know, I got to thinking about that and I thought, 
Well, wouldn't the Lord always be near? Yes, he will always be near. But here's the thing. You and I, we won't always be here. We won't always be alive. You need to settle this before you die. And death comes unexpectedly. People don't know. Sometimes it's like they had no idea it was their last day. You don't know and I don't know. You know another thing that happens? Let's say that you are thinking about salvation today, but you say no today. Do you think that your heart is gonna be softer and more open toward God tomorrow, next Sunday, next year, next month? No, our hearts get harder every time we say no. God's God's saying, come, come, come. He says it four times right there at the beginning, that first verse, over and over again, God's saying, come. But he's just saying, you're not always gonna be able to say yes because your heart is gonna get harder every time you put up that resistance to the Lord. And one of these days, you're just kind of playing Russian roulette. One of these days, your heart's gonna completely shut him out. And you'll say, I don't even hear him talking to me anymore. But then don't forget this. Many of us are wondering, when will Christ return? You know, someday he's coming back. You need to settle this before that takes place. Are you ready? The urgency of responding is definitely in verse six, but then verse seven talks about the fervency that's necessary whenever we accept his invitation. He says, repent and believe. Repent and believe over and over again. It's simple. Just turn from sin, turn in faith and trust to Christ, the finished work that he did for you on the cross. He died on the cross for you. He was placed in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. He's alive. He can change your life. But don't miss verse seven. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And so don't forget the importance of repentance. Whenever we place our faith, we have to say, how does the Lord know you're sincere? There's only one way you can show it to him. When you say, you know what, I'm done with that. I am done with my past. I'm done with all those things that have captured my heart. I am ready to give it all over to Christ and follow him from this point on. That is the fervency with repenting, the urgency of responding. But there's one more thing. Let's say you've really done a lot of bad things in your life. I had, I had done a lot of bad things in my life. But you know what? I found out something that's mentioned in verse seven. Let him return to the Lord. If you decide to return today, what's God gonna do? Is he standing there with a whip saying, I've been waiting on you, I'm gonna wear you out. Is that your image of God? You need to see what God objectively had written through Isaiah 2,700 years ago, so that you know whether you're gonna respond to this invitation or not. Here's what he says. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that good news? God's not gonna work you over if you come to him. God's gonna say, I've been waiting all your life to love on you, to abundantly forgive you, Wow, to me, I'm thinking, don't miss the expiration. Don't play some kind of game and keep waiting for something else. When God has said, what else do you need? I gave my son to die on the cross. You're surrounded by Christian people who've also been forgiven. 
So let's move to a third thing about this invitation. His invitation traveled from great elevation. Have you ever just stopped to think about how, what an honor it is that God even has anything to do with us? I mean, he's the Lord God, the Almighty. Why does he even care about me? Why does he even care about you? It is an incredible honor from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord God, the Almighty, that he would actually say, I want you in heaven with me for eternity in my house. I want you to come and sit at my table for all eternity. I want to bless you. That's an incredible honor. You know, David wrestled with the, this one question. I want to share the question with you. It's recorded in Psalm 8, verse 3. And David looked up there and he saw the universe, all that God had made, and he couldn't get something out of his head. And here's what he kept wrestling with. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? I'm telling you, we have underestimated how valuable, how honorable it is that God would even say, why don't you just come to me? Let me help you. I know that Mount Everest is the highest place on this earth, 29,029 feet. But last year, December 14, 2020, a professor at the University of Tokyo, Nobunari Kashikawa, he discovered the farthest known place that we can document where it is, is galaxy GN-Z11. GN-Z11. It's the farthest place. It's located 13.4 billion light years away. Just one light year is 6 trillion miles. So just imagine 13.4 billion light years away. That's a long ways away. And just think, heaven's even beyond that. So how in the world could God, in that lofty place where there's no sin, there's no death, there's nothing... Why would God even care about us? We're so broken. And yet God says, hey, I want, I want to help you in your life. No wonder J.B. Phillips wrote the book, Your God is Too Small. Is your God too small? You know, this passage says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Why? Well, he goes on to say, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's all a matter of elevation. His invitation traveled from great elevation to come to you. That's why I just want to tell you something. No matter how wealthy somebody is, no matter how much education, how many degrees somebody has at the end of their name, no matter how influential or powerful somebody is, don't ever feel intimidated to extend the invitation from God because however high they are, I guarantee you, God, he's way, way higher. And so just know you should hold your head up and say, I got a message. I got an invitation that would really bless you if you respond to it. His great satisfaction, yep, that's with the invitation. There is a great expiration we need to be aware of. It came from great elevation, but here's something else. It came with a great explanation, a great explanation. You see, whenever you get down into verses 10 and 11, it's talking about the word of God, right? But did you notice how often it refers to the natural world? I mean, if you look at verse 10, the rain, snow, 
heaven, water, earth, sprout, seed, sower, bread, eater. I want you to think for a moment about Christian apologetics, about something else called intelligent design. Do you believe this universe and everything just kind of happened on its own? It's amazing. That's what you believe. No, I believe there's enough evidence to tell me and to tell you, tell all of us, you know what? There's a God who designed it all. And that God is saying to you and me, hey, I want a personal relationship with you. You know, in Psalm 19, David said that all of creation, every single day and every single night, you know what's doing? It's talking. It's talking to you and it's talking to me. You look up there in the sky, you look at the animal kingdom, you look at all of the plants, you look at the human body, how God has designed us. Where would you be if God hadn't put water on this planet? There's not water anywhere else in the universe, but here, it's the only place. What about not only water, but the oxygen that we breathe? Why don't you hold your breath while I finish this message and let's see how far you get. <laughs> We'll, we'll get the defibrillator ready, so I don't know. But anyway, all I'm saying is, man, God provided oxygen. He provided water. He provided plants and crops. He gave us a human body. All of that says something, right? But with all of that, would you know the way to salvation if he hadn't have given us also this? See, the Bible is the great explanation you don't have to guess the way to salvation. God, he had it written down. He had Isaiah write it 2,700 years before. And he had Christ come so that you and I would know. He had so many apostles write it down. This makes it so clear. And that's why I love the way he describes it here. When he talks about, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, you know, I believe it's a reference to inspiration because he's just about to talk about scripture. And he's saying, just like, did you pray for rain? Did you pray for snow or whatever? Listen, it just comes. We can pray for it and God will hear us sometimes, but it just comes. God just gives it. That's the same way with the inspiration of scripture. It just came. He just gave it. He breathed it. But also notice it's like a seed. Just like the, the rain and the snow, they water these seeds. I believe the Bible's like a seed and we plant it into young hearts through Awana, through Sunday school, through all these different VBS things and whatever. And we go to the youth group and they learn things. So all through our lives, people are planting the seed of God's word and it germinates. It germinates and it produces things. It imparts things. And God says, you know what? If you put that word in there, it's not going to come back empty. It will accomplish what I send it forth to accomplish. Oh, that's the great explanation. But let me close with one more thing. His invitation also offers the great motivation, the great motivation. Why should you accept God's invitation? Why should you? I think verses uh, 12 and 13 here, it tells us. It gives us the incentives because God is good. You know what, God, when he's offering you this invitation of salvation, do you realize how many gifts are included in salvation? There's so much in there. If you just open it up, at least there's these four things, okay? I'm gonna close with these. 
Let's look at what he says. What will you receive if you receive his invitation to salvation in Christ? Well, the first thing is, you shall go out in joy. So the first thing is, he's offering to fill your life with joy. Fill your life with cheer and comfort and so forth. But he's also offering that from now on, if you trust Christ from that moment on, you will move forward with contentment, peace. You know, I think some people, they don't have peace. Some people go through their whole life stressed, worried, always wondering what's gonna happen next. But he said, you know what? You're gonna go be led forth in peace. You drop down in verse 13 and it says, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. Review Genesis three sometime. Because in Genesis three, one of the results of our sin and rebellion and so forth, the fall of man, one of the results is dandelions. Are you fighting dandelions, clover? Man, that stuff gets on my nerves. But you know what? Briars, like those little grass burrs, boy, don't they ever, they hurt so bad they get in your foot. All of that is a result of the fall. I'm telling you, we messed up, people, whenever we disobey God. But you know what God's offering you? Get this, freedom from the curse. Freedom from the curse of sin. This is an incredible, instead of the thorn, instead of the briar, uh, it's gonna come up the cypress and the myrtle. What God is saying is, man, the curse of sin will not be over your life. The blessing, the blessing of Christ's obedience, the blessing of Christ's salvation, the blessing of Christ's atonement will offer up all that God has to offer to you and to me. Man, that's good news, especially that freedom from the curse of sin. But there's also an offering of a future with certainty. I talked to a lot of people who are worried about the future. They don't know what's gonna happen in their personal lives. They don't know what's gonna happen in their business. They don't know what's gonna happen in our country. And on and on it goes. But here's what God says. It shall make a name for the Lord an everlasting. Think about how long that is. An everlasting sign. And then get this, that shall not be cut off. I don't know what else might be cut off, what else might dry up, expire, run out in your life. Salvation is not that way. God is offering you something that will give you certainty and assurance that'll last for all eternity. You know, in one of Jesus' parables, it's called the parable of the great banquet. He illustrated all of this that I've been talking about. And he said, you know, just because somebody is invited doesn't mean they're going to receive that invitation. They're going to accept that invitation. They're going to attend the event because there were three people in his parable that said, well, you know what? I just bought some land. I just bought some livestock. I just, got, I just fell in love. There's all kinds of things that can be a distraction to somebody from obeying this great invitation. But the one thing that stood out to me in that parable, same thing stands out to me in this passage, same thing. Jesus said in the parable, come, come, for everything is now ready. Everything is now ready. 2,700 years ago from today, Isaiah said something very similar, didn't come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Hey, that's good news. I am so grateful that God offers that to us in Christ. That's why I wanna ask you, would you 
say yes to God's invitation today? If not today, when? Remember, you're gambling that you'll have another day. You're taking a chance that your heart is not going to grow hard tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. You may be still thinking it over, you know, if you put it off today. So I want to invite you to say, wait a minute, I can't keep putting this off. This is something I need to do. Would you close your eyes? I just want to move into our invitation time. And I want to just say that we offer the same invitation that Christ offers. It's his invitation, not ours. And so what we're saying is, will you say yes, not to us, to him, to him. That's why I stand down here to help anybody that might say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I can help you with that. But it starts with you saying, I'm ready for that invitation. I'm ready to accept God's invitation to me in Christ. Let's stand together. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing a closing song here. Lord, thank you so much for your word. It's timeless, truly timeless. I thank you, Father, for how your hand is still extended to each person in this room. Maybe they brushed that off a thousand times, but they don't feel like brushing it off for some reason today. Today, they realize that they're taking a chance by continuing to reject your invitation. Help them accept it. Help them realize that you love them. Help them realize if they come, there'll be abundant mercy. And so bless this time of invitation. You got us. You be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.